coming up. Investigators and the prosecutor do have something or else they wouldn't be making this call for more witnesses. It's not a case closed by any means. And so the family tells me that they have to have hope. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Tomorrow will mark one year since 29-year-old Christopher Mawson of Marthasville, Missouri, was shot and killed on the side of Interstate 95 in Florida following an altercation. On the afternoon of February 19th, 2021, 29-year-old Christopher Mawson got into a minor crash while driving along Interstate 95 in Jupiter, Florida. He and the other driver pulled off onto the side of the road, and within two minutes, Mawson was shot. One minute, 30 seconds passed from the moment Mawson's GPS showed his car stopped to the 911 call made from the shooter, who told dispatchers Mawson was dead. Now, over a year later, no arrests have been made and no charges have been filed. One year later, the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office and the state prosecutor are actively investigating this case, looking for that clear evidence they believe someone saw. Telling me over the phone, they only have one side of the story. They are urging witnesses to come forward. On Saturday, February 19th, the family of Christopher Mawson marked one year since he was killed. Ali Corey, anchor with KSDK in St. Louis, what have you been able to learn about Christopher through talking with family members in Missouri? Well, so um, I spoke to his oldest sister um, who described him as uh, her first baby because uh, they were 10 years apart. And she just described him as this gentle, happy-go-lucky, adventurous kid. Uh, obviously, he was 29 when he was killed, so not a kid, but to her, a baby brother. Um, and, and, you know, she, she described his, his personality and his demeanor as very e- easygoing. He was very calm and collected and very emotional, intelligent beyond his years. And so um, I think that's a big part of why they're having such a hard time understanding uh, how someone could feel so threatened by him that they would take their life. Um, And the father, uh, the same way, telling me that uh, this was not the kind of guy that was aggressive or would pick a fight, but he told me, quote, absolutely somebody who would defend himself. Not the type that would blow a gasket and start something. Um, but absolutely a person that would defend himself. So it was my impression from speaking to family that um, they don't understand how this could have happened. And unfortunately, they still don't have answers a year later. Take us through what exactly happened, or at least what we know about what happened just over a year ago on that afternoon, February 19th, 2021. Sure. So uh, Christopher Mawson, originally from Missouri, Uh, living in Florida since 2015, was on Interstate 95 in the Palm Beach County, Florida area, which um, if you are familiar with Interstate 95, very heavily traveled, very busy interstate, um, and and actually frequent to road rage incidents for that reason. Um, It is our understanding from police reports that uh, there was a a minor altercation where uh, there was the cars may have swiped while um, trying to merge onto uh, another road. And it was at that time that both of the cars, uh, the car that Christopher Mawson was driving and the other gentleman who was involved, pulled over onto the shoulder. Um, 
from what the sister tells me, uh, Christopher Mawson's sister tells me that they were able to learn from police that Christopher's GPS signaled that he had stopped. So he had pulled over. And from that time of his car stopping, it was only 90 seconds that passed that the other gentleman called 911 and said that Christopher had been shot and killed. And not only that he'd been shot and killed, but the caller said that that he shot and killed him. Correct. And um, that it was in self-defense. So uh, the sister and the father brought up the point that they kept going back to the 90 seconds uh, because I think they're having a hard time wrapping their head around how such a violent altercation or aggressive altercation could happen in that short amount of time that this other gentleman would feel threatened enough to pull a gun um, on Christopher, on their loved one. Within 90 seconds, decide that you get to take someone's life and then you don't have to answer to anything or anybody. You get to leave from the scene because you got a lawyer at the scene. My son was unarmed. He was shot and killed. Somebody should have to at least answer questions for that. And they also point out, the sister tells me that her brother's body was at the car door of his car. Um, and so she says that he was shot multiple times in the chest. Um, and so she questions, how was he able to be a threat to this other person if he was shot three times right at his car? Basically making the point that after being shot three times at close range in the chest, he wouldn't have been able to aggress uh, the other person. Um, and so their their feeling is that this person um, knew they had a gun and was already planning on doing what he was what he did uh, before the, the two even met face to face. You mentioned this other driver told the police it was self-defense. Do we know anything else about the explanation that he gave when police showed up on scene? Sure. So I did speak to uh, West Palm Beach County Police, um, and they recently put out a call for witnesses about two weeks ago uh, because they are trying to get the other side of the story. So when they got to the scene, uh, the other gentleman, the shooter, already had his attorney on scene. Um, and because of Florida's stand your ground law, he was able to state that he shot in self-defense and with his attorney present, his attorney was basically representing him and saying that he did not have to, you know, further answer any more questions. My client was within his legal right and justified to use deadly force. And so that's kind of where police and the family are at a standstill because uh, police told me that they only have one side of the story and they believe that someone had to have seen something because Interstate 95 is so heavily traveled that someone must have seen more of this altercation. Now, I, I should mention that the family said um, of Christopher Masson that there was a, a bit of a physical altercation, that apparently it, it was, um, you know, at some point physical, but they don't believe that it should have resulted in a shooting that their loved one, Christopher, was unarmed. You said Florida has a stand-your-ground law. Can you explain that a little bit more? 
Sure. So Florida's stand your ground law basically allows people to defend themselves if they feel that they themselves, their person, are being threatened, that their life is being threatened. Uh, and Florida has had this law for years, um, but it was amended in 2017, basically shifting the burden of proof from the person who claims the stand your ground to prosecutors. So that makes things really hairy for prosecutors because they now have the burden of collecting the evidence and proving against what these people are claiming. So in this case, particularly, prosecutors don't feel that they have a strong enough case to bring this gentleman to trial. So in the past, before 2017, if say you or I claimed uh self-defense under the stand your ground law, we would have to go to a pretrial where we would have to explain the events that led up to this altercation and why you or I felt that we needed to take deadly force. They don't have to do that anymore. Now it's up to prosecutors and to the state to bring that evidence, that burden of proof to trial. And so if they don't have enough evidence it kind of prevents them from being able to, to, to have a case at all. And so the family, um, in large part, has told me that more than anything else, they want to shed light on how bad these laws are, how terrible these laws are, because they feel, in their opinion, that it has allowed this gentleman to get away with their brother and their son's murder. What I, what I want is justice. I want acknowledgement of some of these bad laws. And I want things to change. And I would like to see justice prevail in this case. I also imagine that as the law exists, it makes it all the more important for investigators to try to find a witness to actually figure out what happened. Sure. Um, and I spoke to uh, West Palm Beach County Police, and they just they feel strongly that maybe someone driving by uh, might have seen something. Maybe they even recorded it. And maybe in that moment, they didn't think it was anything. Uh, but to police, it would be extremely helpful. Um, and they also mentioned that uh, Florida Highway Patrol was originally the first on the scene. And then it was handed over to, to West Palm Beach County uh, because that's certainly their jurisdiction. And they mentioned that in that you know critical time of transfer that there may have been more witnesses that they missed. And so, um, you know, it's it's interesting that they made this plea again to the public because clearly they've got something, but they just need that little something more in order to bring this person, bring this case to trial. As I mentioned, it's now one year later. How are family members feeling about the investigation at this point? You know, I asked the father that, uh, Mike Mawson, and um, he kept saying, I I don't want people's sympathy. I don't want their empathy. Um, he said, I just want answers. I want justice. Um, and he continually told me that right after the incident happened, they just sort of stayed on the sidelines and were, were trying to let police and investigators do their jobs, uh, staying saying that they had a lot of faith in the process and what was happening. But they feel a, a year later that, you know, there's just so many questions and, and they feel at a loss for ever getting answers. Uh, but he did say that he is holding out hope because with this recent call to the public for more witnesses, they truly feel that the police and investigators and the prosecutor 
do have something or else they wouldn't be making this call for more witnesses. It's not a case closed by any means. And so the family tells me that they have to have hope. Um, but they're hurting. And, and because this is still so open and raw, they, they say that not a day goes by that they're not dealing with or talking about, uh, you know, ways that they can try and, and get more answers. And they have hired their own investigator in hopes of getting uh, more answers. Uh, and they revealed a lot of other information to me that, you know, we have chosen not to share because, you know, this gentleman has not been charged. Um, and so we won't reveal him or his, uh, history. Um, but you know, they have a lot of reasons to be upset and they feel like the law is to blame for this person being able to walk free. One last thing I wanted to ask you about, because you are in Missouri, you talked about the changes that were made to Florida's stand your ground law in 2017. There's a bill in the Missouri state legislature that would make similar changes. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So just like in Florida, how in 2017, they shifted it to basically take the the burden off of the person claiming self-defense to prosecutors. Missouri is trying to do the same thing. So just as in this case, uh, where a person can claim self-defense, you could soon be able to do that in Missouri as well. So if someone were to ever have to use fatal force, they could claim self-defense in Missouri, and it would be up to prosecutors to prove that it wasn't self-defense. And so it just, it makes it more difficult on uh, the prosecution, and it it takes a lot of the burden off of the person who's claiming self-defense. A lot of prosecutors in Florida have brought up uh, how difficult this law makes it for them, and um, it's been called reckless. Uh, but it passed, and it, and it could soon it could soon pass in Missouri. They're trying to get it through the state legislature right now. Ali Corey with KSDK in St. Louis. Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you, Reed. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're right here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows that includes our newest podcast, Killer Cases. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>